0: Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC San Antonio Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way, yeehaw, motherfuckers. Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, and work you can find at MMAJunkie.com, as well as MMA Junkie Radio. But, on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today. Tonight, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight, So I'm doing a decent job of getting it out. I thought I'd be uh, uh, getting it out a little earlier this Thursday, but it is the later hours, Pacific Coast time, of Thursday night, as I am recording this to sit down, but... Those prelims were just uh, a, a lot to cut through. So, uh, but I, but but I did uh, uh, get some uh, some crunch time in. Got some some fresh takes for you from top to bottom. Yes, of course, I'm talking about UFC on ESPN4. As I'm giggling at myself for having to look at the notes for that. I just spent the whole goddamn week uh, studying the card as per usual. But uh, you know, I forget what week we are in whatever nine or ten week stretch that the, the UFC tends to 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 put us put, put put us in now uh, as fans media and whatever the the hurdles are are are, to, are you know are a many and uh yeah definitely feeling it not complaining just 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 definitely feeling it. especially with the contender series which is awesome and it's really been turning uh for the better uh, we'll touch on that briefly we'll touch on bell tour 224 even the most briefiest of briefier and a very brief recap of course of UFC on ESPN Plus 13, last week's card. And then we will go, as per usual, you know, top to bottom, breaking down uh, the card of the week, which is UFC on ESPN 4. Of course, that's going down in San Antonio. Hopefully you dug that music. Of course, that was Between the Buried and Me from you know uh, Disease Injury Madness from the uh, Great Misdirection album. Really good album, although I'm a big fan of their Colors album. That's my favorite. In fact, uh, I don't know if any of y'all have a takeoff song when you're you know taking off in the airplane mine is always son of nothing between the buried and me um about the middle part of the song they just do some really cool stuff uh of course uh the song that that was kind of excerpted from the middle of the song we'll probably pick up not too long after that and roll it back in for the outro here just, we'll keep that theme it was a very very westerny twangy so i i don't know i don't know it felt you know it it, it fit the mood you know if if i uh if I were a fighter and I ever fought in Texas, I'd probably come out, you know, try try to, try to, try to, you know, please the crowd, right? Unless you're going to be one of those fighters, you always have a, you know, the set walkout song. By the way, what's your favorite fighter? Do you like someone who kind of changes it out and has fun with it? Like the, uh, oh boy, what's his name? Oh boy. Uh, I fought Darren Wynn from Syndicate MMA. Now I'm making people just shout at their things. I don't know why I'm not trying to say Tom. Tom. <laughs> uh shit. John Vellante got knocked out by... God, that's going to bother me. Hold on one second. Lawler. Tom Lawler. Samsonite. I was way off. <laughs> Sorry, folks. That was going to bother me as well as you, so I didn't mean to... I don't even know what the fuck I was talking about, actually, uh, after after I come back from that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what's your favorite? Are you, do you like the people with the walkout? They change it up every time at the Tom Lawlers of the world, or do you like the... Uh, you know the guy that always uh, comes out to the same uh, the same one, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, it's you know, you can just think of uh, <laughs> I don't know Brock Lesnar, Metallica, like you know and, uh, a bunch of examples out there. Anyways, not really partially either. Not many walkouts to look forward to this day and age, but a lot of MMA to look forward to. So we're gonna get to it, and a quick look in the view mirror before we do that. First, as I make sure the page is still refreshed. Yes, it is. Um. Yeah, Bellator 224. Not much happened there. Uh, Julia Budd, good on her. Uh, starting to get some attention as she's been kind of quietly doing things. Carvalho defeats uh, Chidi. That's kind of interesting because Carvalho's teammates with uh, the newly minted middleweight champ there. Well, you know, cross teammates. I mean, he does his camps over there, part of it in Brazil. Um, uh, Lovato uh, Jr. is who I'm talking about, of course. Speaking of title picture, Juliana. uh Velasquez Vasquez. Uh Juliana Velasquez. Uh defeats Christina Williams. Got some attention from the champ. Ali Malay, Ed Ruth back on track. Uh hey, my boy, Nanoa Dung. Nanoa Dung. I mean, he's uh he got the win there. didn't see that fight. Uh Leslie Smith, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh Jordan Young. Alright, yeah. Uh that's Bell You Like that recap, folks. Uh Dana White, Tuesday Night Contender series also happened uh this week. That was uh that was fun. Um. Just some quick notes. I, you know, I told myself I was gonna be harder in the grading because I was just giving out. Kind of wrote myself into a hole as far as grading criteria, but in the same sense. It's like I don't want to be, you know, hard just to be hard, and because because then that 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 you start to almost run the line of being like snarky just to be snarky, and I'm definitely not the snarky Ted. That's not me. That's not what. It's definitely not the media member or I'm not a journalist, but if I were, that's not the kind I would be. Um So it gets kind of weird, right? Because it's like, people are like, oh, well, like, this guy has sloppy technique. How would you give him an A? Like, yeah, you got the finish, but blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, something I am guilty of where I'll kind of, I'm not supposed to, but I will factor in a little bit of what they've done. You know, whether it's the Brendan Allens of the world or the Brendan Locke names of the world. Like, Yeah. Uh, I'll factor that in, maybe a little more than I should. Although again, not to re-dig it up, but to remind, I wasn't, I wasn't one of the media members who was like completely outraged. I wasn't surprised or anything like that. Again, the criteria of the show, the criteria of the show is based on the night of. Obviously, Dana's gonna have his own say. That's unique to him. That's what makes it kind of crazy and fun because you don't know what, where the fuck he's gonna go, right? Um, and for my article, you know, um, people don't care about and should nor should they, and I don't have any. Uh, effect. So it's not like, uh, if I'm just like going to be like fucking super snarky or harsh critic about it, it's, it's more just kind of, <laughs> I don't know, at least in my eyes, it shows more about me than anything. And I really want to make it more about them and keeping keep within the criteria of grading the performance on the night. Um, again, <clears throat> if a guy is super sloppy is going to eventually affect the grade. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that one kid, uh, that missed weight. Um, Siler, you know, he was really clean, but when he started gassing out, he got really sloppy. And just gassing out in general, missing weight in general, like he probably should have got a C, but I was probably being really nice with the B minus. Um, because the kid's got talent, but, you know, he's, he's got to fix those things. But uh, whereas, like, even uh, other things, it's like, okay, if we, if I start grading solely on talent, like, how are you going to give that guy an A? You know, his, his skill was this. Like, these are fighters coming in the very early in their career. from From the good ones to the washouts, all of them are going to get better from this point on, whether they win or lose, or whether they have high ceilings or low ceilings. Secondly, even if these were all UFC-level fighters and these were all UFC-level washouts and experienced fighters, if the show was still based on grading their performance of the night, you still could dig yourself in a hole if you get too wrapped on, like, what's this guy's skill level like? How many, like, what would you want? Like, are we reserving aids for the John Joneses of the world? Because, you know, those come around so often. Like, you know, at what point do you draw the line? So I really just try to keep it within their performance of the night, within their skill set. Like, if they're clearly, you know, not that athletic or so that, like, I, I'm not going to hold that against them so much. In fact, you could argue it makes it more impressive because, you know, a lot of times there will be a plus number attached to them. And. If a guy comes through as a dog and has to overcome some adversity, you know I value that adversity. Um, I will give him a higher grade. I know that's not everybody. Again, Dana White just likes just a six-second knockout. That's his A plus. Uh, not for me. You got to go through some adversity. You got to, you you do got to show some of that technique. Again, I, I know I was just kind of anti technique arguing, but uh, not that I don't take it in. I, I do. It just you have, you know, again you you have to. Stay measured on all categories because our biases are going to play in and outweigh other categories and the other. And really just try to, the way I try to keep it, my biases grounded because we all have them, I just try to grade them on the night. But uh, thank you guys for checking out those articles. And uh, yeah, Contender Series is fun, fun times. Um, all right. And the UFC recap will be on to the UFC breakdown as I take a sip here. Still warm, although I got to buy one of those warming cups. I'm looking into some all like around 100 bucks though. And I'm like, ah, I'm so cheap. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Any If anybody uses a warming mug and knows a good one uh, to shout, let me know. Because I'm, I'm probably going to buy one on Amazon here very soon. Um, drained or enemy defeated Aspenland. I know everybody kind of gave their takes. I gave a bit of mine on MMA Junkie Radio. Um, but uh, it, 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 I don't know how much I gave. It, 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 it's hard to keep track. A lot of MMA and also just... Uh, as you guys know, I'm only doing you know two two days a week on the radio, so sometimes you know depending on what's going on, it's a real fast pace with the with the whole serious deal and whatnot. So um, sometimes I'll get into it, but then I won't finish my point. But oh, I'm gonna finish it in the pod, and I totally forget it. So and I'm doing that again, so I apologize. Hence that being a reason why I've been kind of saying this past week, uh, a part of the YouTube plans is doing post fight shows and the occasional watch along for pay per views. So. That's all still being set up, and, and that's kind of the beauty. I don't have to waste your time too much for these recaps. Again, timestamps at the beginning of the episodes. I'm not trying to go too long here, folks, on any of this. So shouldn't be an issue, but you can always check the timestamps if you're trying to jump to the goodies. But, um, yeah, I don't, you know, again, I picked Lad, but I didn't play it. Uh, again, I said it wasn't super confident. So I said Jermaine could ice her with the counter right hand. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's just more the the timing of the finish, and it looks worse on slow-mo, I will say that, so people should be aware of that, and commentary does their best to, you know, kind of play it down the middle and not overreact one way or the other and wait for the replays, but it's they have a hard job, they have to react, that is their job. Um, and it's more just kind of the mob mentality that goes one way or the other, um... Now, it is kind of upsetting for people that just are so sure that it was one, you know, whether you're saying it's a a bad stoppage a little early or a good stoppage. The fact that it's just like, oh, without question, like, come on, if there was without question, there wouldn't be so much of an uproar, whether you agree with it or not. Um, That's just kind of what I don't like about anything in life is is people that are just so damn certain when it's really not certain. Like, come on, you can have your opinion and stay there and that's fine, you know, but like, if you want to talk about it, let's not. You know, anyways, but, uh, and especially when the people that are certain weren't really even acknowledging the jujitsu part now, she did look lost and stunned and out of it, but we've seen fights where people are stunned and out of it or even go unconscious and knocked back into consciousness, um, you know, uh, and still, uh, still fight on win or lose. Um, and I'm not saying that should be done. Like I'm all about, uh, you know, I'm a very big head trauma advocate, obviously, Uh, More than most, uh, I'm a very you know uh, okay with uh, preserving young fighters. Like undefeated records aren't a big thing in MMA; they don't last. It's like we put too much value in them, Uh, and that thing's gonna that thing was gonna go either way, whether it was gonna be that night or not. So, again, like it wasn't the worst thing in the world for Lat. It actually, I would argue, hurt Durand to me more because she's the one who has all this kind of bad image on her. And what pisses me off most is that. You know, again, I picked her to win against home. I, I called that fight pretty, pretty spot on, actually. And after the fight, I was one of the advocates that was like, "Hey, this is, this is Todd Anderson guy's fault." And since then, Todd Anderson has not made a good account. He's like almost fucks up most fights that he's in. Um, and since then, we've had a lot of issues where it's like it's, it's the ref's job to get in between the bell. And half the people that were like, oh, me you know, after the bell were just like, are the ones that were just like, oh, fuck yeah, Masvidal, Asker and you can't get mad at Masvidal, it's a ref's job to step in there. Like, So it's just really funny how that hypocrisy works in life, right? Um, so yeah, and what was also kind of annoying, and I don't like not call people out or anything like that, it's not a call out by any means, but... I will say I was watching a post-fight with uh, on Ariel Helwani show with uh, Drain Duran and me. And I get it, like, dude, we all get put in positions where whether we pick against a fighter, or you know, whether it's deserved it or not, or we're just heated on an opinion that ba- is based around a fighter, we, you know, uh, are, are giving our opinions that maybe aren't, aren't putting that fighter in the best light. And you maybe fast forward a couple months, maybe even a year. Next thing you know, that fighter is on your show. Um, Again, most fans don't ever have to face these fighters. Most media members don't... uh, Even most media members don't have to face these fighters unless they're beat media or they work on shows where they have to interview them. And, you know, not just meet the the fighters, but have to meet them in a public forum. So when fighters want to give back to Ariel, we've been in the same position as MA Junkie, which is why, if anything, I sympathize with Ariel a lot of the times uh, because I get it, you know. Just as the fighters have their words taken out of context... You know, a lot of those fighters pay attention to who we pick and what we say, and don't think that they're not going to tell us about it and let let, let us know that they know uh, when we when they come onto our shows. Um, and I hate that feeling like you know, like I was we had a who was I can't think we had Calvin Cater and Tyson Chardy and them on, and I didn't get a chance to, which is probably a good thing. It was funny, the <laughs> doll came up to shake my hand. I was like, oh, God, oh, God. That was his hands behind his back when we had him in the studio. (laughs) Is he going to pop me one for picking against him? And, uh, again, it's so quick and fast-paced with just the radio end of it, much less the actual in-studio stuff with juggling guests, especially with guests with entourages and whatnot, and it kind of was that with uh, when we had uh, Masvidal and uh, Ann Cater. And um, Masvidal, actually, I thought he was going to beat me up anyways because he actually mistook me for one of the producers, which is always nice. It, uh, sometimes it works for me. That time it would have worked against me if, uh, because I, I forget what the beef was, but he had a beef with a serious XM producer. <laughs> and he goes, and if someone brought it up to him to kind of tease him about it, you know, because it was like a some kind of thing happened. It was, it was small, but it pissed him off. And now he laughs about it, but someone brought it up to kind of tease him. And he go, looks at me and goes, Is that the fucking producer? I'm like, I'm not the fucking producer. <laughs> Uh but no my is cool show again he he's I, I met him before, and he has uh really uh, tight history with my co host there so no hate, but uh I did you know i was, talk, I was I, you know we've had calvin Cata in studio uh before and his first time meeting him is manager uh, tyson Chardier, who good dude man uh you could tell guys who really care about their fighters, and that dude's one of them um and you know like I was telling those guys I'm like man you guys are, are messing with my bias here i'm gonna you, know, you make it harder harder to pick against you and i you know, I came clean with him because we had him in all studio like, I'll be honest I picked against you before man and uh I hope because we we're talking about chips on shoulders he always talks about the chip on the shoulder and uh I said yeah man uh I apologize in advance in the future if you see me uh picking against you for for whatever reason i uh, I hope I do I don't have to but you know that's the game but uh you know and, and, and uh he was like oh no no he was really cool about it but uh that's thing I try to come clean. You know, when I can't, cause I, again, I get it. You feel kind of, you know, because even though, you know, m- most people online and Twitter are, are assholes, you know, all these people on YouTube commenters and whatnot, but at the same time, I get why it can look like, you know, a lot of us media members are two-faced, but you gotta understand the delicacy as the media members that are in that position. Now, that said, that long-windedness said, um man, you know, I was, again, I was a big supporter of GDR before 208 and after, and she was getting all this hate, even, like, people, you know, uh, going into the Raquel Pennington fight, like, people didn't even know she almost lost her vision, all this stuff, she wins, and it was like, you know, we're doing highs and lows, this is a segment on MMA Junkie back uh, at at that time during her Pennington fight, and, uh, and you know, that was mine, I, I really put my heel to the ground, because I'm like, you know, no one's talking about her, this girl to go through so much mi- media criticism and bullshit, and no one apologized, no one gave her any positive PR, everyone ignored her, she was buried on the undercard, etc., and I'm like, fucking go GDR, now all of a sudden, you know, she gets this main event kind of by happenstance, let's face this, this clearly wasn't the UFC's first option uh, they clearly aren't, aren't big uh draineder fans uh and uh now all of a sudden she gets the win and like I get it I get you know Ariel's got the biggest show he's only gonna have the you know he's gonna look fair weather whether whether it's true or not his show kind of I guess kind of forced him to because he's so high profile and has been and fucking he deserves it. Dude. dudes a hard work I don't know him personally really of haven't had much interactions with him to be honest at all, if any. Uh, but but I'm not a hater. Believe me, fucking much respect to that dude. Hard worker, uh, great for what he does. Yada, yada yada. But he was the biggest motherfucking <laughs> like like uh, not the biggest, but like he fucking like, anytime it would come up like oh yeah and the drain around like that's not a real oh well yeah she I mean that's not a, that doesn't count as a champion like a little like off remarks and that like he's done that for like. I guess years now, technically, considering his foot February 2017 since uh, UFC 208, and the dude, and it's really weird because again, Ariel really plays his lines really well. Uh, he all keeps things very professional, unlike me, who's just kind of cursing about and fucking, you know, doing podcasts late out of my bedroom like a real pro over here, um, <laughs> you know. But so it, it just it was, it was just really weird. Uh, it, he just seemed like he just really disliked Jermaine Durandomy. to me. Um and uh, and it not even like when he was like talking to the Holly Holmes or the opponents of the world where he's trying to get on their good side and doing that whole shtick like he would just would cite it sometimes and now all of a sudden he's just like on, I was just watching his interview and on the show this last Monday he's like oh why do people give their crap huh da, 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 da. like I, I'm just I'm sorry like again I know it's not popular and it's not professional to say anything negative about colleagues but. My God, that was just one of the biggest hypocrisies I've seen in a long time. And I just have to say that. Anyways, uh, props to to me for winning. But that people who are getting, not just defending, but almost getting upset that people would question the stoppage. Like, and then I saw also on Twitter people saying, oh, why didn't she get a bonus and this and that? And like, I would have loved for her to get a bonus too again. Uh, like with the all thing, like uh, just because I picked against them recently, like like I haven't been fucking trumpeting their story for years prior, right? Um, but like that's the thing, like that that's why this stoppage was so infuriating. It wasn't for the lad side; it was for the Duranami side, because she got the criticism, and then now. You know, I hope they don't use it. I hope she's the next fight. Although she doesn't really help in her cause because she wants to go fight in New Zealand. And she, again, she, I, I guess she seems kind of weird and she really just treats this as a hobby. And I think that's what's really off-putting to people. But uh, it, it is going to hurt her whether it's matchmaking, politics, UFC, whether you agree with it or not, or shit like this, like bonuses. Like you know, if if Herb would have stopped it. Right off, or it was just the, you know, you can't help it. It was the body language that triggers. That's where I kind of forgive her, kind of similar to the uh, Henry Cejudo-T.J. Dillashaw stoppage. Uh, I always get mad when they stop it when someone's trying to re-guard, kind of like Aspen Ladd or re-wrestle, like uh, Simone was to kind of favor, because to my opinion, those are the most, those are not only correct, but technically the most high percentage things to do when you're hurt in a fight. Obviously, striking is not one of them. Um, so that always kind of irks me, but at the same time, uh, yeah, like, that body language is going to trigger most refs, um, experienced or not. So, so yeah, I mean, do, do, do I think it was a good stoppage? No. No, 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 no. no, I don't think it was a great stoppage. But do I think, like, it was some robbery, the fight wasn't going to go that way? No, I mean, the fight probably, probably was going to go that way. I suspected it could go that way. It looked like it was playing out that way, so... Uh, no robbery, no huge controversy in that sense, but was it a good stoppage? No, it wasn't a good stoppage. Um, but props to GDR, Uriah Faber, you know, again, just doing the Uriah Faber thing in the same arena as Michael McDonald, Did he, you know, looking at, uh, looking similar to that, hitting that kind of, hitting that counter right hand and, uh, you know, after getting clipped too. Um, and, uh, you know, beats Ricky Simone, uh, regardless of what you thought of the stoppage, uh. You know, again, Ricky Simone went down pretty hard initially too, so there wasn't gonna be much uh, people protesting Faber in Sacramento. Um, I don't think he should get a title shot. Again, I I think he should just make him rematch with Jimmy Rivera because I don't know again, you know, the you kind know, of the aerial GDR thing, like you're at Faber, this dude's so fucking professional. But like the one dude he you just bring up and he has this kind of thing about is is Jimmy Rivera. Can't say his name right, doesn't give him credit, like yeah. Uri e. Faber has pug dudes in the eyes before, but man, that was just really bad, blatant fouls he was giving Jimmy Rivera in that fight. And that messed Jimmy Rivera up more than he let on in the fight because he, he wanted to continue. He didn't want the win taken away. Um, so I would love to see that run back. I'll just leave, I'll just leave that there. Uh, Josh Emmett, defeat Mirsau Becton. I'm glad I changed my pick on that one. It was worth getting crap from uh, Uncle Matt Eat over there. Uh, the the junkie staff curse is broken uh you know again that was just I mean Mirsad didn't wrestle but still I just I don't know how far it was going to get him I think that was kind of inevitable and that's what happened uh Carl another pick that was right although I scored the other way Carl Roberson I picked him, played him but I scored for Wellington Terman I don't know if the, I want to drop the robbery word but man I thought it was fairly clear two rounds to one um I think Roberson could have stole that second round, but it just felt like he gave it right back to him. Like, that was just some of the worst fight IQ as far as just, again, with that celeb thing of judging someone from a seven-second window. Like, if we were to judge Roberson from a 15-second window, that might be the worst 15 seconds of fight IQ I've seen. Um, But, yeah, he didn't, it, apparently it didn't cost him. So, hopefully he learned that lesson without having to learn the lesson. Uh. And no hate to Carl Roberson. I'm not hating on him, man. I'm just saying, it's, it's just, you know. All right, Marvin Vittori defeated Caesar Fajeda. Um, you know, Marvin Vittori was coming off the layoff, but aside from that, I felt pretty confident. I feel like Fajeda surprised us enough, and his I will say his chin, you know, continues to surprise me with how uh, with, with with how how much it's holding up. So, but but good on uh, Vittori. He was just cursing like a madman with that. And again, like I tweeted, like ESPN Plus doing some good things. But goddamn, this just sucks that we're paying for a fucking paid service and they're just bleeping out curse words. You know, we can't we can watch people plumbing with each other in, in a cage, but we can't have curse words. And if you're gonna bleep them, like at least bleep them. Don't just drop the audio feed. Like at least bleep it so we can have context of their message. You know, like the Happy Gilmore kind of mm-hmm. scene, like. Nate Diaz, they bleed him on Big Fox, but that was the biggest call-out of his life. That that changed his life and led to him making millions. Can you imagine if they just audio drop that? And they go, oh, I, I, uh, I think he called out McGregor there. And then you got to go hunt down the post-fight? Good luck. Uh, all right. Uh, John Allen defeated Mike Rodriguez. Upset. It's like the short-notice fighters did better, man. It was crazy. Andre Feely defeated. Shame, man. Come on. Shame it. Marais. Um, yeah, I, I picked Feely, but I didn't see that, folks. It was almost like the Gabriel Benitez knockout, but in reverse, as I tweeted. Juliana DeFito, Peña defeated Montaño. That was ugly as expected. Hall defeated Elkins. Picked that one, right? That was weird as expected. Uh go Pedro Martinez. He was on the way to losing a ping Liu, but uh got that fucking head kick. Great, great job, but uh. Another perfect example, of Mark Montoya cornering, man, how he guides fighters to the fire. That guy's awesome. uh Brianna Van Buren. again, I didn't watch the tape. I'm glad I didn't pick and pl- uh, play l- I picked Livia Susan. I'm glad I didn't play her because man, Brianna is someone to watch out for in the future, and Benito Lopez, I guess defeated Vince Morales, but I was loosely watching, but I had it Vince Morales two to one, and apparently that's how most people had it too. But the one time the judges are awarding... Well, I don't want to say they always fall for flash, but awarding leg kicks, right? There you go. All right, well, that does it for uh, the recap of that. 27 minutes in. Yeah, I'll definitely timestamp in. And uh, let's just go straight into the uh, the breakdown here. I'm going to power through, folks. Power through. My voice is, is going. It's been a long week. And... Uh, I did it all nighter this week. I I, I I told myself I was gonna stop doing those after like doing them in 2015, 2016, 2017, and a bit in 2018, um, and a good bit in 2018, I should say. And uh, I, I just I don't know, man. Just uh, again, we got the, the the turnaround. All, every my, my weeks are pretty front heavy, in that Tuesday night, man, between uh, doing the contender series articles, analysis, getting the picks in. Sun. Next thing I know, the sun was up. And uh, that may be... Uh, hopefully, it's not a trend for Tuesdays. because It just fucks me up. All right. We're going to go from top to bottom, as per usual. UFC on ESPN4, San Antonio, Texas. Leon Edwards is the favorite, minus 130. Rafael Dos Anjos, up to plus 110. Uh, it got pretty close to even, but Dos Anjos has pretty much been around plus 100 for the most part. Um... I don't know. Uh, This is a very competitive fight. I I really like this fight. I'm almost mad that it comes about because these are like the two guys they use to like plop other guys up. Where like these guys always are the kind of guys where they're talented and they're more talented than they should be. Whether it's like, oh, this guy is a smaller, older guy. Uh, This guy is English or whatever you want to say, which is really kind of a dated stereotype. Leon Edwards is kind of the perfect uh, example of that. Um, but these guys have had to work harder to kind of outshine, uh, their ceilings, outdo their, their, their perceived ceilings, I should say. And they have to do twice the work usually to get to these title spots. So, or contender spots. I mean, Edwards still hasn't even gotten a title shot. Seven wins. If he wins here, it'll be eight. Uh, Southpaw versus Southpaw matchup. Edwards two and one, you know, losing that split decision, of course, in his debut, uh, for his and uh, Dos Anjos five and two, although you could argue it's four and three. I, I'll, I got you know me. I gotta argue for my boy Evan Dunham getting that sour scorecard there in Brazil. But uh, yeah, and Dos Anjos' losses were, of course, again he had a, a, a you know competitive decision, albeit unanimous, to Leeson Tebow, Bow. That one sparked him to kind of change up his wrestling. And, uh, I don't think he's lost to his southpaw since, uh, and then Kobe Covington. Yeah, that was it. And obviously, you know, uh, we'll, will talk about that one here in a second, I guess, or it'll come up. Um, because that fight kind of, uh, is a good example as well. As far as what separates it here for me, uh, is pace. Again, both guys well-rounded, both guys very technical and it sucks that one guy is going to have to lose, but, but pace was the one thing I really noticed that stood out, um, Edwards is probably the more versatile wrestler and goes to it more. But Dos Anjos is very capable there. He's just mainly having to focus on counter-wrestling. Both guys are flexible as far as they can pressure forward and counter. I will give the countering edge to Edwards, uh, especially in this fight where the dynamic, I think, is is, is going to be pressure and, 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 and forward-moving offense for Dos Anjos. So that will give Edwards his counter-opportunities. What he does with it, we'll see. Whereas Dos Anjos can counter, he can strike at space, you know, uh, even with bigger, longer guys, he used to doing that at lightweight, did so with Tony Ferguson, did so very successfully against Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Um, but, you know, he really does his best work pressuring, he's a more flexible pressure fighter, and I think that's what he's going to do here, and, and it's his pace, you know, whether it's at lightweight, welterweight. Wins or losses, you know, losses against guys like Tony Ferguson where he's almost killing himself passing out, making the, his last weight cut to 155, and then going five rounds at altitude. And still, I think the rounds he did win was like round four, round three, where there's better rounds of the later rounds of the fight, crazily enough. Or the Colby Covington fight, again, fairly dominated, but comes back and has that strong fourth round where he's taking Covington down. Granted, Covington tired, but again, he was in the driver's seat. Dos was on defense, and he still had the out uh, the room to put that output in the fourth round. Obviously, he, granted, you know Lee was gassing a bit earlier than I'm sure even Lee detr even Lee detractors expected or suspected. And uh, but still, we saw Dos Anjos pace able to keep up with someone else's pace, weather the storm, and just come on strong those late rounds, round four again. Round four seems to be his round there. Um, Excuse me, and uh, and and yeah. Whereas Leon Edwards, I take a sip. My tea is not warm anymore. Whereas Leon Edwards, he uh, he's only went five round once, and you know, depending on how you score that, most of the judges and people, I believe, gave rounds four and five to Cerrone, and or at least that the very least you got to say those were Cerrone's best rounds. Uh, and that was the one time he went five rounds. I believe he was scheduled to go back in Bama, never did in his pre-UFC career. And although he's gotten late finishes, like the Peter Sabota finish, which is really impressive, I mean, he's so gassed, I don't, not gassed, but just really breathing heavy at the end of a lot of his fights. His post-fight interviews, he's still breathing by the time it comes around. Uh, and I'm saying not the hugest thing. He puts a lot of pace. So he deserves to be breathing that hard. But at the same time, if I'm really having to split hairs here, what you do at this level... You know, I don't know. I don't know how that is, man. Because the guys you fought don't have the pace that Rafael Dos Años does. Um, and they definitely don't have that experience in these later rounds. So, unless Edwards is able to sting him, or really just uses leverage and, is, you know... But even if he uses leverage well and is wrestling him down, again, I, he's gotta, I'm not sold. He's got to keep doing that and not get tired for rounds four and five, so... Unless he stings Dos Anjos first and really gains his respect and then mixes in wrestling, then that's okay. But he's really got to sting Dos Anjos if not hurt him or get him out early altogether. Um, otherwise, I see Dos Anjos pulling away. Uh, I feel... It's weird. I, I, I'm i a real fan of Edwards. I love this matchup. It's a tight matchup. I I don't disagree with the line of Edwards being the favorite, and it should be a close fight. I just... I don't know. I feel I just I just feel a very clear read on this one. If that makes any sense, I think the south ball matchup is gonna benefit Dos Anjos more. So uh, I'll go Dos Anjos with a decision, with the caveat of getting possibly a late stoppage in rounds four or five. Um, I also played Dos Anjos um, at a 1.5 unit for me. All right, next fight. Uh, I even hate saying co event because there really isn't such a thing as the co event outside of pay-per-views in 2019 now in the UFC. Yay. Um, we got Wall Harris, minus 155. Alexei Olenek, plus 135. This is probably one of the fights that I came closest to wanting to change. This one and... Uh, Ronaldo Hernandez, which we'll get to shortly. Um, yeah, man. I took Harris, and I'm not... As you can hear by the sound of my voice... I'm I'm not confident in it. Hell, I mean, even against Sergey Spivak, we saw what he did to that guy. Like, I still wasn't confident. It's just so hard to be confident in Walt Harris, you know? You don't know kind of what you're going to get sometimes. Sometimes There's not just weird things to his fights. Um, but at 36 and with experience, you look at his record, aside from maybe, you know, a short notice fight here, and, you know, a a moment of bad IQ there, uh, you kind of look at his record, and you could argue this guy, uh, this guy, uh, let I me mean, just pull it up as i doing guesswork in my head from days ago. In the no contest, you know, whatever you want to make of that. Uh, yeah, and then the Godbeer and Verdum, uh, minus those, you know, you go, he hasn't lost since 2016. That was a split that could have gone his way in a really boring fight. So you go back from that. Yeah, I mean, since 2014, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a game perspective, but... You can twist it around now. I like Walt because he's super athletic, big, and a southpaw striker who can really strike. Uh, he's done boxing. He knows mixing kicks and knees. Uh, he says answers at every range. He's flowing in and out at every range with his checks. He to watch his tracks. You know, doubling up on certain sides. Like he's doing all these really good things. Um, shows answers in the clinch, even against deceptive clinch guys, although I believe Arlovsky's clinch in wrestling game was super underrated for the longest time, and it's quietly fucking deteriorated, like, ridiculously, and we'll talk about that soon, because he's on this card as well. Um, but I liked what he was doing. Now, could I see Olenek pulling guard and Walt Harris following him? Yeah, that's the scary part. I I, I could see some stuff like that happen. Walt Harris looks like he's cleaned up a lot of his ground game and clinch work and whatnot, but you just look at the guys that Alexi Olenek's beat and really and whatnot, it's it's tough. But at the same time, his defense is just so awful. I just have a hard, you know, like, I actually picked, it was weird, so I actually picked Overeem. Uh, that's not weird. Uh, he was a favorite. But I picked him to do it inside the clinch, so that didn't surprise me so much. Um, clinching is usually a bad thing with Alexi. And it will be in this matchup. Don't get it twisted. But Overeem is one of the best clutch fighters ever. Of course, I will say that. Him and Josh Barnett, as far as the heavy... Bartnett. Hartnett. Barnett. As far as uh, Josh Barnett. Pearl Harbor. Um, is, uh, as far as heavyweight is concerned. But the weird part was, Overeem didn't jab at all during that fight. And he also did the very overing thing where I'm just going to let the guy walk me down and I'm not even going throw anything. I'm just going to put, you know, where he puts his guard up or lets him clinch. And Maybe that was his plan. Maybe he knew what I suspected and, and many suspected. I uh, obviously wasn't the only one. Uh, and just wanted to eat him up in the clinch. But he didn't really offer up that resistance. So, um, it's not like you can't avoid the clinch. Like, if it wasn't for that stray shot, like, Mark Hunt was using foot, like, Stubby Mark Hunt was using footwork and to d- use uh, proper angles to get distance management before that. You know what I'm saying? Like old Mark Hunt, <laughs> old Stubby Mark Hunt. Uh so I, I feel like Walt Harris can keep him off him and make him pay and possibly knock him out in that first round. That's that's, that's what I'm thinking here. But Alexei Olnik, man, not just submissions or clinch. Like the way he swings, like he clips guys like Travis Brown or uh, well Jared Rochelle to you know. Maybe not the best example, although I was at that fight when Jared Roshaw beat Walt Harris. Um, tough 18 finale, I want to say. Oh, that was a fun one. Is that where Gray Maynard, uh, Nate Diaz 3, one of my favorite post-fight speeches ever? Um, yeah, that shit was tight. Listen, I'm fucking hungry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, you know, he could hurt Walt Harris, too. And we saw Harris hurt by Nikhil Akrilov. Um you just don't know what the fuck you're going to get with Walt Harris. I'm not, I'm not trying to spin it any other way here, folks. Uh, but, you know, I was going at Linux Instagram, and he's at American Top Team again for this camp, which is always good. You know, I think he's moved down there or whatever. But there's this, like, video of him. I thought it was a comedy, but there's no real joke attached. But he's just kind of, like, going to the water fountain. And the dude looks, like, so crippled even just trying to go and bend over for the drink of water. Like... It looks like the most painful experience ever. Like, the guy could barely walk straight. He's like waddling. At 42. I know heavyweights can go long. He's got that kind of sluggish style and whatnot. And I don't expect him to change, nor why would he. But at the same time, I see him getting taxed here. Um, let me go to Waltz here. Like, uh,. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I just like what I saw in the Spivak and Orlovsky fights, um, and kind of since you know, in, in re- recent fights with Walt Harris. So I'll take Walt Harris here. Am I playing him? Hell no. Um, who knows? Maybe I, this is a dog or pass fight. Like I, unless you're playing Olenek, like you should be staying in the hell away from this fight. And I don't even know how much you really want to play Olenek. I mean, again, how how confident can you really be in him, right? Uh, I don't blame anybody for picking or playing Olenek. That said. I'm picking Harris. Alright, next fight. Uh, Greg Hardy was the favorite, but the public, betting Juan Adams, who's minus 115. Greg is practically picking Greg Hardy, minus 105. Um, and I'm trying to say, it. this one should be on the avoid list. The reason why it's not, kind of like, maybe not like the fight above, kind of like the fight above in a certain sense. There's angles to each side. You can make arguments on each side, but Whatever stylistic arguments you can make with this fight really don't matter. People that hate Hardy are going to bet bet against him. And people that are supporters of Hardy are going to bet for him more than likely. So, uh, you know, in other words, whatever side you're on, people seem to be on the side hard. And I'm I'm trying not to do that here. Um, Juan Adams, I mean, I don't know how much of an upright citizen this guy is either. Who knows, right? Uh, the Kraken uh, with his big dick energy swinging it around. uh... I appreciate him. He makes me laugh. I'm just saying, like, I don't know these guys personally, right? Like it's funny. Uh, you know, he's he's a he, he seems like a likable dude. But you know, for Hardy, hey man, you know what? For Hardy, for for having all this fucking reprehensible shit from football to outside of the cage stuff with women. Hey man, the guy, the guy speaks. You know, I I don't want to say because he says some stupid shit too, but like, as far as like being media trained and speaking well and trying to at least t- attempt to take the high road, the guy's really well trained and speaks really well, man. And I could totally see him. I could totally see why people, uh, why the people that like him, like him or people that have kind of been won over can get won over. Like he does seem like he does have a certain, t- uh, disarming charisma, even, even though he is by nature alarming as a not just a heavyweight warrior of a man, but a, a man with that kind of a, a negative history. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess that's the biggest compliment I could really pay Greg Hardy. But like, yeah, I mean the dude, the dude speaks really well. He knows where he's coming from. He gets what people think of him. Um, but who knows? So, but who knows how? You know, I, I still can't say I know the guy, right? So uh, I, again, I'm trying to stay as unbiased here, impossible or as possible. But at the end of the day, we really haven't seen much on Hardy and whether these guys are football guys or whether they're domestic violence guys, which is a lot of MMA guys, sadly. Uh, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to laugh at DV there. just more at the state of our sport. Uh, air quotes. Um, but I, I tend to fade just guys that are just those first-round knockout guys. Again, the six-second knockout guys. So just be the 30-second knockout guys. Facing cans. Like, we don't know much about him. And when things went long, he just seemed to fall apart. Um, and uh, when I have been upset, is more upset with the organization for putting him in the co-main cool event spot with Smolyakov. That was just a joke. That whole thing was a joke. Um, therefore, that's why my pick was probably a joke with Smolyakov. I mean, it, it certainly looked that way uh, with the way that guy fought. That guy, or I guess, fought, air quotes. Um... But at the end of the day, it is it is someone, it is wrestlers who are going to be his worst matchups, which is kind of why I'm surprised they gave him Juan Adams. But after watching Juan Adams' last fight, it was not an inspiring performance, and I remember thinking to myself, going, you know what, Greg Hardy could probably beat this guy. And even though I'm picking Juan Adams here, spoiler alert, Greg Hardy could could certainly beat this guy. Juan Adams doesn't have the best uh, defense, you know. We've seen him uh, we've seen him get stung there with. Uh, <clears throat> Not stung, but like it hurt. But like you know, we've, we've seen guys hit him when with with, with uh, right hands, and that's Greg Hardy's specialty. He's Greg Hardy. I think's going to have the speed edge here. And what I don't like is I like that Juan Adams has a comfort uh, comfortability, and he's more looser, which is going to make him gas out less quick. But he fights almost with that like pong jab, where like he knows that he's bigger and longer than everybody. The problem is he's facing someone as big and about as long as him. And a guy who again is I think is going to be faster and at least from an, maybe an overall athletic but more specifically importantly a striking aspect is stronger. Now, when they hit the ground, believe me, that strength's going to go to Adams, but as far as striking goes, that's Hardy. So if he's getting lazy and flicking out the jabs that he can get away with with other guys, that's what I worry about. That's where I see Hardy I imagine Din Thomas in his corner uh, kind of already spotted that out, and they're going to wait for that lazy jab and try to retract on it, uh, follow the retraction. But if Adams tightens that up and gets right into the clinch and is able to survive that shot, uh, or who knows, hurt Hardy one of his own. Because that's another thing, too. Like Hardy looks like he has better striking technique, but I don't know how good his defense is because most of the guys are such, such cans they don't even throw at him. But from the cans that he runs over to the, quote-unquote, harder fights, pretty much everybody who's thrown at him has hit Hardy, if you really look at it. Now, have they done much? No. Um, Hardy looks like he could take a shot, but this is heavyweight. I wouldn't count on it because those guys really don't like they're throwing with any intent. look like they're throwing, like, they're trying to set off fireworks to distract them. Like, here, look at this. Please, stop. Stop. You know, like, I don't I, I don't know how, how real the shot's he's been hit with yet so it's not like i'm even even though he's um, i'm saying he's got the advantage i'm laying out the pathway for him here i'm still not even convinced what the hell we're dealing with in, with, in regards to his strengths whereas adams we saw him hit that kind of cardio th- uh, failure where he couldn't get a guy out and instead of falling apart he won that fight and that was his ufc debut as well that was Christel Ochoa. But then we uh, saw him take that first, first uh, loss in, uh, in his fight with uh, Arjun Buller. And um, I picked him there, but I wasn't super confident. And, uh, yeah, man, I knew I should have picked the, uh, the guy dropping the Scottie Pippen references in Arjun Buller there. But even going back to watch that fight, it was actually more competitive than I remembered. And then listening to interviews with Juan Adams, like, where he is very honest in and, and his shortcomings, which that's another thing, like... Greg Hardy is too but it's more like canned responses where he doesn't say what he did he just kind of talks about his mistakes and moving forward and he puts it in a very kind of political way and doesn't really specify anything um and I know we're talking comparing you know DV allegations compared to past fights here but I'm just saying as far as admitting one's mistakes go whereas I like that about Juan Adams he was very forthcoming about his mistakes not taking it seriously what he did wrong um you know, although he was kind of talking about eh, some people thought I won that fight, but you know, still he was pretty honest about it. And seems to be putting more important. He seems to be putting his money where his mouth is. Uh, not just listening to his interviews, going to his Instagram, and like he's really, you know, he he's walking around like for this whole camp like at least 20 pounds lighter, uh, looking in the shape of his life, uh, taking this really seriously. He might be a guy that needs to be kind of motivated for things and have a little bit of shit talk. And he admitted he didn't really have any of that. Because Buller's a cool guy, what are you gonna do? Make fun of the guy's religion and stuff? Like, no, that's no. So, uh, but Hardy, obviously, easy guy to find reasons to, to dislike. So Adams seems to be all set there. Though I do wonder how much of it is gamesmanship. He's just probably just trying to pull him out. And Hardy seems to be aware of that too. But still, uh, I, I don't think it's the gamesmanship that's gonna win him. I think it's Juan Adams getting to the clinch, clinching him, making him tired, getting him to the ground. Trading him for a, a late second round stoppage is going to be my call. But would I be surprised if he already just ice his ass in the first? Like, nah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'm actually staying away from this fight unless like, a, unless they put a plus a number next to the guy I'm picking. Uh, but the number, unfortunately, on the guy I'm picking seems to go up. Um, but, yeah, I got Adams. All right, next fight. Dan Hookah. 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 He's 140. Dan Hookah. And James Vick plus 120. Vick's picks, baby. Um, James Vick needs to win here, bad man. He's he's in the hole, but you know, uh, as far as you know, two losses go. Um. Yeah, this is a winnable fight for him, but I I I don't think he's gonna win. I think Hooker takes this one. I'm gonna pick Hooker. a really easy prototype, I guess, is the Paul Felder, you know, as far as their striking and stances and whatnot. But I think Hooker's going to be mixing a lot more southpaw, mainly be fighting from—he might dust off his southpaw stance and do a lot of, a lot from that. Or he might not, because he might want to go to those calf kicks and kicks, you know, toward Vic. Uh, Vic was very honest about those. He thought he has defense in, and they weren't. I'm sure he's addressing them, but— Part of the reason why I picked against Vic, again, whether we're talking about his calf kicks or kick defense or shin, anything, I just feel like he's fragile and only going to be more fragile at this weight because, you know, all the injuries he's had, uh, which which kept him so inactive earlier in his career, and he's gotten around walking around, working around those, but at the end of the day, you know, he's never missed weight, and I know he gets really, you know, upset when you talk about that, but like... He doesn't look, he's a guy that just always looks terrible and you got to wonder, are we even seeing the best James Vick? I feel like we might see a better version of him at 170. And the longer he wants to fight at 155, the more I'm going to pick against him, I feel like. I think the more the fate is on because I just, even with technique, I don't know. I, I just don't know how strong he, you know, his stuff's going to be holding together at this weight. And against Hooker, a guy that uses all limbs, all weapons, can counter, can come forward. Uh, has answers if you try to, you know, clinch or, you know, uh, change that level. Uh, unless you're a really good wrestler, which, uh, you know, Vic tried to use more of. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see Vic mixing takedowns and just try to stay behind his jab for this fight, to be honest. And if... Dan Hooker has some of his performances from early in his career where he just kind of turns off and goes into zombie mode and doesn't adjust. And in that world, yeah, I could see Vic get a decision. But um, I think Hooker gets it here. I haven't decided if I'm going to play it yet. I- I'm probably going to stay away. Um, but, yeah, I think I think, I think think Hooker does it by a decision, possibly by finish. So, again, I'm uh, having trouble deciding where to put my money for that fight, if at all. Next fight, speaking of having trouble. Yeah, this one, I I second-guessed myself. I almost went the other way. And then eventually, I don't know if it's anti-Klamacki if I do it that way, but I settled on the favorite, Alex Fernandez, minus 200. Comeback on Francisco, Massa Randuba, Trinaldo. Plus 170. This feels like a trap fight. This fight is definitely on the avoid list. This has got trap fight written all over it. Um... I really should have picked uh, Cerrone. It just felt like a kind of a trap fight there too, and then it was Cerrone ended up getting getting the win there. Um, and it makes much more sense in hindsight. We just gotta see more from excuse me, see more from Hernandez. And what worries me is, you know, Hernandez ain't a lot of its pacing, experience, and yeah, that stuff's true, sure, but. I don't know man he's kind of he's doing the same thing he's doing if anything less cross trading and less traveling than before so I don't I mean you know he's always been with Ohana down there and they do good things shout out to my man Rodney James Edgar who was the guy who gave me the uh, the scoop I guess or whatever you want to say uh, the heads up on Alex Fernandez before he hit the scene. so it's not a diss on them by any means but you know he was doing some cross training at training facility over there in California before you gotta wonder I don't know I just I love his confidence and his stubbornness but I just I wonder if it works against him in a matchup like this I mean Masa is an underrated wrestler as far as counter wrestling he's just got that kind of crazy base where he's just I imagine the dude feels like the Brazilian Redwood he's named after um, because he's really tough to take down like you really got to be you know look at the guys that have been able to muscle Masaranduba it's a very short list and Hernandez is strong too for a lightweight but I don't know I man that's going to be a real test strength you know is the last thing to go if anything maybe he's got more right that old man strength Masaranduba is what like 57 years old now just kidding he is 40 though um and a Southpaw, although Hernandez technically 2-0 against Southpaws. He's beaten all the Southpaws they throw in front of him in the UFC, knocked one of them out. I don't think he's going to do that against Maso Randuba Ronaldo here. So he essentially has to outwork him. Uh, I see him doing that. I like his footwork and, and his Billy do that. You know, he's against again one of the more stronger guys in OAM. I picked him there and he came through there, but I feel a lot less confident against this grindy Southpaw. Um I feel like you know, Trinaldo throws that same knee that that Cerrone does. Let Although less often, less emphatic, less accurate. But, and I know, you know, Dunham, that's the book on Dunham. He's always kind of, he's been going down from body knees and body shots for a minute now. But like, but still that was a, you know, I, Hernandez knows what it is. He, he, you know, he's clocked it. He says it's slow and telegraphed. That may be true for him, but I just hope he's not disrespecting him and sleeping on him too much, you know? Because I can see an upset here to the point where I'm staying away from Hernandez. Even if the line drops back down to minus 190, 180, starts getting down to that range, nah, I'll stay away. That's a dogger pass, man, so be careful. All right, last one on the main card, I believe. Let's get through this before my voice goes. I got Big Ben Rothwell. Minus 185 for the second rematch on this card against Andre Arlovsky, plus 160. Wow, it's been like, what, 12 years or some shit since they first fought Affliction? I remember that. remember the blood on the camera. I think that was a fun night. Was that the same night where the UFC was doing that dual card? I remember being at uh, my drummer's house and all of us just being in the big big room that we had to always watch the fights in and just going back and forth from the Affliction of the UFC card. I think like, what was it? James Irvin Anderson Silva that night. But yeah, um, kind of one of those standing stoppages because it's you know, how it was with Big Ben because he's just so damn tough. Um, I don't know if Big Ben has ever been just knocked out cold because he's just so fucking tough. Uh, war is a lot, whereas Orlovsky has a lot since then. Um, he's went through like two renaissances since then. <laughs> uh, but this one seems to be kind of over. Like he went to American Top Team and. Hey, man, he did me well against Stefan Struve, Albini, maybe not Albini. I don't know if I picked him there. But uh, almost against Tuivasa, man. I still defend that pick, even looking back at that now. Uh, It was worth taking that shot, like plus 300 or whatever. But I can't hear. um, Big Ben, you know, I don't think it was as treacherous of a decision in the rewatch. But but, but even though it was a loss, it was a very close fight. That he had with Ligo Ivanov, who was super underrated, another Belarus guy. Uh, but I think uh, Ben Rothbow gets his first win over a Belarusian and gets his revenge here. Um, Orlovsky's just kind of just like, looks like one of those wind up toys, you know, you wind him up in the back, and you just set him up, and he just does his machine thing now. You know, he just throws the same things the faint, faint jab, faint, faint jab hook, right hand, inside leg kick, maybe the occasional spinning back fist for fun. But, um, it's just very rote sporadic he's on his bike a lot so he's not he's not currying a lot of favor with the judges even in these decisions uh and his wrestling's not there he's ne- he's never really went went to it but even defensively or off, it's just his clinch looks super deteriorated whereas uh Ben Rothwell's got a fucking fire under his ass so um Yeah, I think Ben Wathwell gets it done. Sadly, I think he probably gets it done inside the distance. I don't know if I'm going to play this fight. Hey, I'll play Ben Wathwell straight up if I do it for fun parlay. It wasn't the main card, so he'll be in that for fun parlay, but yeah. Excuse me. The pick is Big Ben. Inside the distance. Let's see. Next fight Alex Caceres. Alex Caceres, minus 125. Steven, or as I was to say, Sterling Peterson from the Chicago Police Department. Cameron for Ferris Bueller's Day off there. Uh, Steven Peterson, Ocho Peterson, plus 105. Um, came into this leading Caceres, but you know what? Man, it's just, it's just too tough. I, th- I actually ended up picking, and i even taking a shot on, on Steve Peterson. Um, I know, you know, he, he's lost against the Southpaw, but that was against a giant Southpaw that was young and He's a complete different skill set in uh, Violent Bob Ross there. And whereas Caseras, though Caseras, I could totally see him uh, lighten up Steven Peterson, f- especially for the first couple rounds with his counter left hand from the southpaw stance as well. Um, Peterson can just take the shots, man. And if you take the shots and come forward and pressure Alex, like, and you have decent jiu-jitsu and not get caught by an opportunistic sub, you can do well. Alex Caceres has been able to play spoilers sometimes, but not so much. And Steve Peterson, man, he's got he's got good jiu-jitsu. He goes for the back, brown belt, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, grinder, high percentage stuff. More high percentage on the ground and more smarter on the ground uh, than, than he is on the feet. Uh, and you look at Caceres, so, I mean, Alex Caceres, he's getting, you know, not the racial stereotype here, but I mean, he's getting taken down by, like, regional, like, Chinese and Mexican guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's getting taken down by everybody. Like, he's, uh, he's winning rounds, and then we'll, like, you know, go for takedowns or just pull... he just, just do random stuff. Like, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing? Like, don't give it away. Like, uh, the fight IQ on Caceres is maddening, and that should be his, that should be his edge on this fight. This is what should, ju- ju- should justify him in a pretty tight matchup on paper. Is that, oh, well, he's got experience and his well roundedness. I think he's going to be able to find enough offense to come away with a win here uh, against a guy who prioritizes defense very little in Peterson. I'm guessing that's why the line is what it is, and that's why it should be what it is. But not liking what I've been seeing, man. That's why I picked Kron, although Kron was a, a big bigger favorite than I, I, I imagined, because experience didn't matter. Uh, With with Caceres You know Uh, It's more about styles And that pressure style Is going to pay for Peterson I wouldn't be surprised To see Peterson Actually get the rear naked choke here Um, I took a shot on Peterson At plus 105 I just just threw a unit on him Alright Next fight Aren Aldana Versus Raquel Pennington Uh, Aren Aldana Minus 140 Come back on Pennington Plus 120 Uh, I saw some conjecture On this one on, On Twitter People surprised That Pennington was a dog I wasn't I wasn't. Um, I like uh, I liked Aldana a lot. I should say coming in. I still like her, and she's my pick. But I will say I always like Aldana. I, I, she's been a girl I've, I've always liked. Not necessarily been high on, but since watching her back in Invicta, I believe was when I first saw her. Was it Smith? I can't even remember now. Um, no, that was the UFC fight. I love that fight. Uh, what did she, fuck. Who was it in Invicta? Anyways, I don't, I'm too lazy to look it up. But. uh... But, yeah, I've always loved her style. Um, You know, it's like the Mexican Holly Holm, except she's uh, more willing to scrap than Holly is and and will actually go for some submissions and shit. So, uh, yeah, I dig it. Um, I I like her in this fight. Although I I, I mainly like her because Raquel just seems shot, man. And I hate to say it because she put together this quiet kind of renaissance. And then... Before she gets her title shot, she gets that damn accident, you know, and I just feel bad. I don't know how much that affected her, but, you know, Nunez is a badass. She went five rounds. She got credit for that. Um, almost five rounds, I should say, still. But then in that GDR fight, she just looked like they had no motivation, you know. And just the layoffs, the injuries, I'm like, maybe she she's just done. Like, is it just a fade? So I was actually going to just play Ariana Aldana here. Then I looked on Raquel Pennington's Instagram and she looks like she's in the shape of her life. I've never seen her in this good a shape. Um, so she's got skills, even like deceptive. Uh, she'll go for a takedown, she's got some deceptive submission skills. And uh, she can stay in the pocket and return and throw um, when she wants to. So I do think this fight is closer than I initially thought. I think the line's about right now. The line has tightened up a bit. But I do feel the line's about right. I'm sticking with my pick Aldana. But I'm actually putting this on the avoid list, um, because I feel like uh, I feel like Aldana's not getting enough credit as the favorite. She seldom does get the credit she deserves, and Pennington, for a fighter who you traditionally doesn't get the credit she deserves, in this spot I feel like is getting more credit than is due. But with the Instagram little conjecture. There, I uh, interjection of thought. Um, it scares me away because seeing that doesn't mean everything, folks, but Raquel Pennington is not necessarily one that looks like she comes into shape and, and even in her good performances. So she's coming in like this, this late in her career. All right, looks like she's really making this one last hard push. So it, it's enough to scare me off, which is why it's on my avoid list. But the pick is Aldana uh, by the decision. Uh, I think she... She lets fights get a little too close, but she turns it up at the end of rounds. and I think that's going to be enough to steal uh, two rounds out of three. It's probably going to be a greasy split, though. Another reason why it's on the avoid list. Also on the avoid list, Jennifer Maya, Drew Dober in female form. Minus 140 versus Roxanne Come Comeback on Foxy, Roxy plus 120. Uh, another one. My, all of this one my pick changed, but I came in... You know, leaning and my lean kind of uh, eased off to the point where my pick changed. Um, was siding toward Maya to repeat history against the rematch uh, over Invicta FC. But uh, going back and watching some of the fights. Sorry, that's another reason why I was late. Because, like, fucking, man, these fights, these fight cards are thick. And there's a lot of goddamn decisions, man. A lot of decisions. Even whether it's guys like Steven the Petersons or the Raquel Irene Aldana's or, like, these fights. You know, the Montefiore and Maya, all a bunch of decisions. And then, like... Well, you got to go back and watch the rematch. And For people that don't know, it was for the title when uh, Maya was the interim in Invicta Flyweight Champ. And uh, so that was a five-round fight you got to fucking sit through. And Montefiore kind of faded toward the end of that fight. And depending on what you're awarding, if you're awarding submission catches uh, and, and, and pressure and grappling, then you could definitely have given it to Montefiore, which is what one scorecard did. Um, but if it was a three-round fight, then it would have been a unanimous decision, I believe. No, it still would have been a split, but it would have been. Too, yeah, it would, it would have been for uh, Montefiore, if it were three rounds. And that's not the the logic to base my pick off here. Uh, it's mainly because Jennifer Maya has been around deceptively long. Everyone knows Montefiore's been around forever. Maya's actually been around for a minute too. The problem is, even though Maya has this higher ceiling and higher respect and all this stuff. She's changed very little over the years, at least the back half of her career, especially um whereas Monteferry, the back half of her career has been filled with the most change uh and since their last fight, I feel like Monteferry's gotten better, and they both have gotten better, but I feel like she's 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 improved and added more uh and uh her m re- m a wrestling you know is finding that original flow with her judo and submission grappling skills from before. And she just really has that trifecta uh, going for her now. She's just multi-threat, you know. Um, even though I picked Shevchenko, I uh, I did say, you know, I say, you know, you can't sleep on the striking of Montefiore. You are look at the Shajara Eubanks fight. She was having moments capitalizing in some exchanges, countering, coming on strong, even after taking some hard shots. So it really takes a lot to get Montefiore out of there. Uh, and... Just Jennifer Maya, man. I don't, I don't know how much favor she carries, like, with her kind of stick-and-move and countering style because you're really depending on the judges to know what they're looking for. And, uh, I don't know, three rounds. I feel like, yeah, payback, revenge, Montefiore, you know, just had her opponent pulled. Um, yeah, man, she's she's ready for this one. I think, I think she's going to score the upset. It's going to be a tight and greasy one, so... I'll probably still sprinkle on her because she's a dog pick, but, uh, but yeah, it's going to be on my avoids list because it's tight. Um, do what you will there. I I skipped over a fight. Sorry. Uh, Klitson Abreu, minus 170, come back on Sam Alvey, plus 150. Uh, this one should be on the avoid list, folks. Uh, came in leaning toward Klitson just because, I just, I I love Sam Alvey, man. You know I do. He was, uh, first fighter I had on this podcast. Uh, Podcasted for years with uh, one of my favorite co hosts and people in the world, Jordan Killian. Uh, I wonder if they're going to keep doing a podcast. I got to ask Jordan about that, by the way. But um, but yeah, man, just, I mean, the the, the spots where he's supposed to win, he doesn't. Like, Sam's the guy you want to bet or play as a dog, which, yeah, I guess it's going to portend where I'm going here. But, like, as a favorite, it's hard to trust him. And, you know, with training, I don't know who he's training with anymore, with Dan Henderson out of the game and whatnot. Looks like he's spending a lot of time in Vegas working with a hypnotist, although I don't want to hate. Um, you know, this guy's worked with some other guys as well, who guys who I respect like Julian Marquez, etc. Uh, Khalil Roundtree. Obviously, I'm a little biased with Khalil. But, yeah, you know, so I, I'm not hating. But, man, yeah, the flags are up, man. I don't blame anybody fading Sam, picking against him. Uh, that said, I'm gonna pick Sam here. Um, this is a Southpaw versus Southpaw matchup, and although Sam got tuned up in that with uh, Little Nog, uh, he generally does pretty good in these kind of matchups. Um, you know, Sam only really throws two shots, unfortunately, but that check right hook counter left hand—it's um, it—it's it, 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 at a much closer and deadlier range when he faces another Southpaw. And the Southpaws defenses are those are probably some of the harder, harder things to, to, to block. Um, yes, it opens up kicks uh, as well, so you know people will like to celebrate that. But in my opinion, that's an easier muscle memory to lift a leg. But as far as your head movement and hands, it's so hard to dodge punches, and even at that, your head is kind of pre-programmed for certain angles, and if you're predicating your game against orthodox opposition, I'll tell you, man. That left hand over the tie, it's that blind spot for Southpaws. Um, I talked about it a bit with Connor and Connor wrote a beautiful article, Connor Rebush, uh, on it on a bloody elbow. But there's a blind spot there. And also the check hook uh, for, uh, on Southpaws is a hard one. It haunts orthodox fighters, sure, but it also fucks up Southpaws, too, I'll tell you. Let me tell you. Um, uh, so I'm actually going to go with Alvi to get back on track here. I'm not confident in it, in it at all uh Clitson has a full camp. He I believe he's trained a little bit at an American top team for this one. Um we'll see. I just I don't I I, I, I he he relies a lot. You know, he's like, "Oh, he, 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 we we just his jujitsu. It's like, "Clitson, you say that about everybody." And that's one thing about Sam is he's usually a pretty underrated uh counter clinch wrestling cl- clinch defense. Uh so we'll see. We'll see. I I'm picking Sam Alvey. To finally get another knockout, but I'm not confident in it at all. Um I may sprinkle degenerately personally, but I'm not making that a player telling you to play or pick him. Believe me, it should be on the avoid list. It is not. The pick is Alfie. Alright. Uh oh boy. This one's on the avoid list. And you might be wondering why. Ray Borg minus two ten, Gabriel Silva plus one seventy five. Uh this is like a good spot. Oh, let's get let's let's let Ray Borg get back on track, you know, uh, poor guy. Uh, we tried to give him back on track uh, with the, with the uh, Casey Kenny, um n- Not tried. I mean, he was a short notice, like a weak replacement. I forget who Borg was supposed to initially face there. But Casey Kenny, you know, was a guy to look out for for people in the know and showed up. I don't know how much he showed out, but the judges thought he did enough. Um, you know, it was close fights. Uh, I hate dropping the robbery word. But, yeah, you know, it was... It, it's tough. So, are they trying to get Ray Moore back on track here? And there's not a lot on Gabriel Silva that I could find, but he is Eric Silva's brother. It's like the, it's kind of like Sergio Pettis versus Anthony Pettis. Like the younger brother is like way more fundamental, whereas the other brother like paved the way with his flash. Um, they're like the the poor man Brazilian version of this, I guess. And, and Gabriel Silva is similar, man. Except he doesn't like the kicks like like young Sergio. There, uh, he is likes boxing. He actually has done boxing tournaments done some real training in there to go along with his black belt and brazilian jiu-jitsu and i actually like his boxing technique man real power for 135 which is not no surprise with the current environment at 135 that we have so yeah man i i really liked what i saw from him um and if his jiu-jitsu is legit i think it's going to be a real tough matchup for uh ray borg uh ray borg should be able to out scramble him but I, I feel like this fight is, is, I'm going to pick Borg, but I, this is a dog or pass. Like, I don't know, man. I wouldn't be surprised to see Gabriel Silva maybe even knock Ray Borg out. This fight's going to feel a lot like uh, Ray Borg's fight with, what's his name? Uh, La Pulga. La Pulga. Uh, fuck, I like that guy. I, I hate the same boxing coach with him for a little bit. Gil Martinez. Uh, I know Junkie Radio people were probably screaming at me because he was on there for a minute. Rode his motorcycle. I Colombiano. was Colombiano, La Pulga. Um, underrated cat that just couldn't put it together, but gave him a deceptively tough fight on short notice, uh, Ray, uh, to Ray Borg, and, uh, and yeah, I could see that going this way, Ray Borg just looked awful too, you know, maybe that was the fight he needed to shake things off, I mean, he missed weight, looked bad, as well as missing weight, uh, physically, um, just looked flat, so, yeah, it's hard to be confident on Ray Borg here, Looks like he's training at that uh, Jackson Wink uh, affiliate camp in New Mexico with Nico Montano and them over there. So I don't know who he's really training with. I didn't really recognize any of the, the guys. Uh, oh, John Herrera. La Pulga. La Pulga. La Pulga. Uh, sorry, I love, that. I love that name. La Pulga. La Pulga. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. If I saw more, maybe I would have pulled the trigger for an upset here. But, man, Gabriel Silva is super live. This is why it's on the avoid list. Dogger pass. Officially, though, I'll take Borg. God bless him. All right, next fight. Jin Su Sun, minus 190, versus Mario Bautista. Come back on Bautista, plus 165. Uh, taking Jin Su Sun here. Um, not a ton of footage that I watched outside of the UFC of these guys, or available, I should say. Um Susan's fought more and fought more experienced guys in and out of the UFC, I guess, or out of the UFC, I should say. So that's why I'm leaning toward him here. Um, Bautista looks like he is a more well-versed striker, not afraid to get after it. Whereas uh, Jin Susan does a lot of boxing. Uh, but I like the way Jin Susan moves, can take punches. I mean, Peter Yan, who is, you know, going to be fighting for a title sometime in the future. Uh, I got Aljo ahead of him, but I'm just saying, he's he's up there. I mean, to go come in on short notice and uh, just to fight three rounds like that was insane. Um, and he still has the like, abilities to, you know, it's hard. He, I, I'm looking at his profile for this fight in, from the UFC emails for the, the bios, and uh, there's no ranks in any kind of martial arts or history there. But the guy seems pretty well-rounded. Like, he hit, hit a level-changing takedown when he needs to, which maybe wouldn't hurt him uh, here against Mario Batista, who is a purple belt, I believe, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But um, I just think it's going to be a scrap, man. I'm going to take Sun. Uh, I'm not super confident in it. Um, it's not on the avoid list, but it's just not something I'm going to play either. Uh, the number, If the number comes down more, maybe. But I just love this fight because, you know, again, we want to play racial stereotypes here. Like... Korean versus Mexican might be my favorite race fight ever, you know? Because, (laughs) race fight, that makes it sound bad. Because, like, you know, like, Dong Young Kim, Marco Polo Reyes, uh, fucking, I don't know, I can't can't think of any more right now. There's, there's, There's a ton. But, like, it's always a good time, you know? Like, Hawaiians, Mexicans, Koreans, like, there's a certain, there are certain, you know, certain races they just fucking produce, just fucking... Tough tough motherfuckers, I tell you. And uh we get Mexico versus Korea, baby. My favorite, my favorite race match. <laughs> I'll take sun. Alright, last fight. Domingo Polarte, minus three four forty versus Felipe Colares. My dyslexia wants to be like Corrales, but it's Colares. Come back on him plus two eighty. Um yeah, it's funny. they like, "Oh, this could be a sleeper match. It's too high. He's the only Dana White contender series winner. We haven't seen him in the UFC yet." Kalara's at least three went went three rounds in the UFC. Kalara's is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Palart is only a purple belt, but like, I don't know. Like Maya Jennifer Maia is apparently a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu too, but I really haven't seen signs of <laughs> signs of it. I'm not hating, but like, there, there's this is one of those cards where there's a couple black belts on here where I'm. I'm. Um, I i do not know. Do they have cracker jack boxes? Uh, do the the cracker jack boxes give give prizes out in Brazil? Because I don't know where these. I don't know where these uh, black belts come from. Uh, whereas Domingo Pilarte's got really good jiu-jitsu. Like, and he actually like does tournaments and whatnot. And when he gets on, dudes, especially with his frame and at this weight class, like, as I wrote my grading the winners for last year and his performance, like he's got that Luke Rockhold that vibe when he gets on top of guys. And it's not that. Kolaris' grappling is terrible, but he—he, he, it doesn't look black belt level for one, and he also looks like one of those grapplers. because I'm kind of the same way, where he's okay with giving bad positions and kind of has a slow burn about him. Like he had, like kind of like fighters have to get punched to wake uh, to, to wake up. You hear that, folks? Well, there's a certain like that that uh, archetype exists in grappling too. Um, that's not to say someone who feels that way about their striking is the same way as a grappler. But what I am saying is that. There are guys, and I think Kalares is one of them. Where you almost have to get in the bad spots and feel what the, this guy has, and feel the best of him before you can get going. And maybe even you want to because you're a veter- As you get more veteran, like you want to capitalize on mistakes. Kolaris uh, seems like one of those dudes, and I don't think he's going to get those if he gives it to Polarte. Uh, more importantly, Kalares um, does not seem to prioritize defense that well. Um, on the feet, like he just throws a lot of stuff together. He kind of has that karate swag to him, which I appreciate. But there's not a lot of power or process to it. He's kind of just like spamming combinations with porous defense, and against a southpaw counter shot guy like Pilarte, I think Pilarte is going to eat him up and sting him, man. Uh, I think Pilarte either knocks him out on the feet or hurts him enough to submit him on the ground. Um, I'm actually going to take Pilarte inside the distance. Uh, he's one of the only few guys where. You know, by the number, as the number would suggest, as far as parlay piece material, but for that high of a number, for that unproven of a guy, and with parlay being presumed that you have to pair him up with at least one other person, and now we're playing that game, not a lot of parlay stuff on this, a lot of lab dogs. This is a real dog city. It's going to be a, a fucking gunfight here in Texas, folks. So I really can't provide any kind of parlay. Parlay pieces will be negative. For that reason, though, I am taking Polarte. Um... Inside the distance. What did, what number did I get it at? I wrote it down here, and then I didn't write the fucking... No, thank you. Uh, I am going to take him inside the distance. Uh, probably throw at least a unit on there, maybe even 1.5. Plus 145. As I don't know if it's going to be sub or TKO uh, with the uh, outline that I just gave, but yeah, Polarte inside the distance. All right, let's do a uh, pick recap here. I'm going to go from top to bottom um. Woo! Sorry. Sorry, folks. Yes. Alright, I'm taking Rafael Dos Anjos over Leon Edwards. I'm taking Walt Harris unconfidently over Alexi Olenek. I'm taking Juan Adams uh, over Greg Hardy. Taking Dan Hookah over James Vick. Taking Alexander Hernandez over Masa Randuba Trinaldo. Taking... Ben Rothwell over Andre Orlovsky, taking Steven Peterson over Alex Caceres, taking Aren Aldana, Aldana over Raquel Pennington, taking Sam Alvey, if I throw a Hail Mary prayer, over Glitz and you, taking Roxanne Mataferi over Jennifer Maya, unconfidently uh, taking Ray Borg over Gabriel Silva. Taking Jinsun Zoom over Mario Bautista. Taking Domingo Polarte over Felipe Corrales. No parlay pieces. Straight plays. RDA plus 100, 1. 1.5 units. Peterson plus 105, 1 unit. Polarte, inside the distance is the only prop play. Plus 145, 1. 1.5 unit. Fights to avoid more than what's listed. But what's listed is Hernandez, Trinaldo, Borg Silva, Aldana Pennington, and Maya Montefiore. All right, folks, good luck with your picks and plays. Thanks for Between the Barrett and Me for playing us in and out of this episode. Have fun this weekend, and always protect your neck.